Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome to the final episode of season three of Straight Talking English. I am your host throughout the whole thing, Catherine. Can you believe we have gone the whole way through three Victorian texts plus the AMA plus bonuses? Oh my gosh. If you cannot get enough of the content, then the full context series is available on Amazon. I've written the books for Jacqueline Hyde, Christmas Carol, and Sign of Four is on its third draft with my editor. That should be with us very, very, very soon. Oh my gosh, it's so exciting. And of course, the biggest news is that my cold has cleared up, finally. Right, last part of the Sign of Four, and we're going to talk about fears. Fears and scary things. Because compared to a lot of other fiction, Sign of Four is not that scary. Yeah, there's murder. There's a savage on the rampage, but if we're comparing it to Dracula with all like the weird psychosexual stuff and the bloodletting and the madness, it kind of falls a walk in the park. I mean, the boat chase is supposed to be thrilling and James Bondy, but it doesn't actually take up that much of the book. Why is this considered to be a thriller? Why is it supposed to be concerning? What about it makes it concerning? Well, my first answer is that this is a novel of empire that both creates and reflects images of India. I mean, your average man in the street wasn't really aware of what India was like, and it sort of just existed as sort of this nebulous concept and fact until the mutiny of 1857. We've got real-time reports, okay, like a couple of weeks delay, but real-time reports of atrocities and violence. People became aware of this. Actual Im imperial stuff, imperial news was in people's home and it was became this genuine fear that the british were about to lose their empire it also became like weirdly sexual innocent white women were being ravaged by local people in reality this didn't actually happen but it invoked fear in another sense because when you've got all these moral hygiene people going around trying to preserve the innocence and protect people from all kinds of scary sexual things, then this is another level of fear. Since Mary Morstan is this perfect imperial woman, we've got her innocence and her protection at the hands of Watson, and it makes the book seem quite reasonable. More than that, and I mentioned this last time, the actions taken by the people involved in the Indian mutiny were seen as an assault on the idea of civilization. So if you attack a train, it's seen as like idea of attacking the idea of modern transport. You've got Small and Tongo returning from the Empire and you've got the elder Sholto and Morstan's dodginess coming back to haunt them when they were involved in nicking this treasure. And this is not the Empire staying where it should be, which is far, far away. These are the bad bits of the Empire coming back to haunt us, getting all up in our business. The other thing is, it's always linked to the British class system. And I'm sure I've told you the anecdote about the mind-forged manacles. So I'll tell you another one about my encounter with the British class system. So I was working with a student whose family lived in Chelsea. And as you can tell from my beautiful, beautiful Mockney accent, I am firmly working class from South London. The look on these Chelsea parents' faces when I revealed that I'd been to Michelin starred restaurants, I had a favourite like 
I have like an enthusiasm for fountain pens. And the looks on these people's faces, the like, this, this, they look like the class system was being eroded. And that's one of the fears that the class system is being eroded. The common people are coming to get you up in your iron, ta- iron tower, iron throne, I mean ivory tower. A little bit Game of Thronesy there. You've got these guys called nabobs or nabobs. These are ordinary dudes who made their fortune in India and came back with enough wealth to buy like a manor house in the country. But this is also the point in time where you can buy a peerage or buy a seat as an MP. And they're doing that. They're taking places that have been traditionally reserved for the aristocracy. We've had two big parliamentary reforms in the last hundred years preceding this, 1832 and 1867 Reform Acts, and it's estimated that about 60% of middle class men could vote. So the upper classes are getting nervous that their power is slipping away and getting into the hands of these like jumped up little people. The other reason why it might be scary is there's this fear that humanity is on the decline. Like we sort of peaked in the 19th century and from then on it's all just sort of downhill from there. It's a bit pessimistic. And one of this this genuinely made me laugh when I found this out. Robert Baden Powell, the guy that set up the Boy Scouts, and his sister set up the Girl Guide. So I'm assuming it's for like similar motivations. They set up these organisations to try and prevent this decline of humanity, right? So they saw young people hanging around on street corners, doing all kinds of young people-y things. And they decided, no, we're going to clear this up. And you see this growth in sort of wholesome occupations for young men. The original copy of Scouting for Boys is so imperial that it's basically a mint imperial. And it plays on this idea that, you know, even the greatest people can take cocaine. Even like the good guys aren't that great anymore. Even Watson, who's a hero, has got a Jezail bullet in his leg. Humanity is on their way down. I mean, that's just propped up by the fact, as I mentioned in the Halloween special, this is written just after the Ripper murders. The canonical five women were murdered. There's a few others that are probably done by the same dude, but we're not quite sure. But the way the papers are playing it is the Ripper can be anyone. He is round every corner. Everyone is a potential Ripper. You, you start to wonder, like, what what's becoming of people? You know, back in the good old days, it wasn't like this with Rippers everywhere. It's like all the safety nets that have already been constructed, like the police, are just sort of failing people. And they're starting to think, what is the world coming to? The other thing that's worrying is that Thaddeus Sholto, the guy in the super Indian decorated house whose brother gets murdered by Tongo, he in theory is a nice middle class man, he's profited from his dad's time doing a genocide in India, but he is 
really unmanly by i mean quote unquote unmanly by the definitions of victorian england he's very effeminate his house is beautifully decorated he's smoking shisha the whole thing seems ultra feminine and ultra luxurious and as i mentioned last time i think Edward Said's book called Orientalism. It's from the 70s and it's kind of like a classic of academia and gender and stuff like that. Says that non-white European men are traditionally portrayed as being womanly, as being sneaky, as being like not really manly. A really horrible example of this that I saw actually was the first James Bond film. Doctor No is the stereotype of that presentation of non-white men and Thaddeus Sholto is lumped in with that category. Even men, the manly manly men are not what they used to be. And then in comes Sherlock Holmes as being this like comforting figure he is everything we want a british man to be according to victorian standards he's repressed he takes cocaine he's super scientific and it shows us that despite the things that make us uneasy the quote-unquote right thing will always prevail let's talk a little bit about racism and part of the reason the sign of four is scary is just racism <laughs> And this has always really bothered me about where, well obviously racism bothers me, racism is bad, but it bothers me about where this book is in the chronology of racial relations. So we've got a book produced in 1890. Only a couple of years later, we have the first wave of civil rights activists in London standing up, speaking, writing about how we can have equality. In America, you've got Marcus Garvey, less than five years away, talking about Pan-Africanism. We've got these thinkers. We've got Sojourner Truth. We've got W.E.B. Du Bois. We've got these thinkers who have laid the um, the foundations of like modern black American and English thought. And yet at the same time, Conan Doyle is writing about how a black guy is linked to Satan. It's a really, really weird throwback to stuff that wasn't super discussed at that point. So let's think about scientific racism. This idea told people reading it people getting involved that if you're not white you're not completely human and if you're involved in the the indian mutiny you are actually a devil worshipper going against everything the british believed in especially since the empire was kind of mixed up in like missionary stuff and spreading the anglican gospel tongo is exhibited as a cannibal which is one of the scariest types of criminal that they're there is i mean let's let's face it that that's true now and it's because no one knew what the ripper did with the body parts that were removed from his victims there was this like suspicion that he might be eating them making a sandwich out of it we were 50 years past the freak show fad in which you would get um, people from all over the world, people with physical disabilities, people with all kinds of things that are different about them. And you could go and meet them, 
they might do a little performance. The original conjoined twins, who the word Siamese twins came from because they were tired, they'd do a little juggling show. And you did have performances of like, you know, like quote unquote indigenous people doing things. So the fact he's exhibited as a kind of like freak cannibal is a throwback to a lot further. And it's kind of this, this sort of thrill of disgust. In America, we, well, in New York, we are just coming up to the time where a young man called Otabenga was exhibited in a zoo next to an orangutan because his tribe were what was traditionally referred to as pygmies and the zoo were like, it's fine. Oh God. And you'd have like these ethnographic displays where they would get like a family of Inuits to come and live in the museum grounds. It's sort of the age of the human zoo. A lot of it is also evolutionary fear as well because the idea of like the missing link, the evolutionary throwback, Tongo is seen as this kind of like inhuman throwback and that's scary because I don't really think we can underestimate how much evolution shook up or the theory of evolution shook up people's thinking about who they were so we've got something in common with this guy but he's presented as not quite human so you know what is he is he something that we can devolve into is this coming back to the fact that human humans are on the way out all right let's talk about something else which is really scary let's talk about poison it's sinophore isn't written that long after what is called the poison panic i mean it's 20 years later but people tend to remember famous crimes i mean if i said jamie bulger to you um well it depends how old you are but that's a famous case from the 90s where a little boy was abducted and killed like these things tend to live on and the reason it's called the poison panic is people realized that a lot of their stuff was made of poison like strychnine is just rat syrup opium is in children's cough syrup they realized that actually a lot of things daily household stuff could be misused as a poison so your smart person is going to be like well i'm not going to eat any poison for my dinner then but not everyone is making their own dinner if you've got servants they've got access to the poison so it's this fear again about classes that if your servants have access to poison they could kill you in your sleep dong 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 so the fact that he has this well uh the shalto that dies i can't remember his name uh bartholomew i honestly I am so over Sinophore, I can, I'm honestly surprised that I can even remember anything about it. The fact that Watson describes this dead guy as having a strychnine-like poisoning, even though we're assuming that, like, whatever poison Tongo's used, it's, like, I don't know, some foreign poison, like, strychnineo or something. Um, the fact it's described as being, like, strychnine, gives people that direct link back to this fear that your servant's coming for you, that anyone can poison you because it's so readily available. The only main legislation that was passed against this, by the way, was against like tainting food 
like um, bleaching flour to make white bread seem whiter. And these wasn't actually that regulated. I mean, it would like another 30 years is still happening and I mean there's fears now of being poisoned it's fairly explicable this again this fear of dying in your own home is another unease that this plays on and it's partly why the Ripper is so scary the Victorians venerate the home. It's this whole like Englishman's home is his castle thing. And the domestic sphere is presented as being something almost holy, something to be protected. As I mentioned in the um, Jekyll and Hyde episodes, the 1885 Obscene Publications Act was there mostly to protect women and children from seeing harmful things at home and the maiden tribute child trials which exposed child trafficking were relatively late to, to have this as an expose because it was the general vibe that as long as it didn't intrude on your home life it was probably fine. If we have a look at the works of Dickens, if we think about the Cratchit's house, it's presented as being this beautiful, lovely, firelit cradle of happiness. <laughs> And then if you look at Scrooge's house, it's really, really cold. Your home should be safe. And the fact is that even if they'd secured their home, the Sholto's home was perfectly secure. But then they did not think that there would be a dude who could climb up to a ledge and blow dart his way in. The idea that no matter how safe you think you are, there will always be a way around there. If you feel like having a really, really bizarre dinner, uh, Mrs. Beaton's book of household management was one of these books that told women how to run their home. And it was an absolute bestseller. It's got some weird old recipes in there, but the fact that there was a best-selling book about how to make your home perfect, it, it tells you how much they value this. So, summary, like, it's scary because racism is scary because fears of class it's scary because fears of empire uh, it's scary because of weird needs to protect women it's scary because humanity is declining slowly and like i feel like i'm doing my jerry springer final thought again like the sign of four is as my editor put it it seems like a really passive aggressive book to set people of color in school and truly because some of the things that are discussed, the imperial stuff, the glory of the empire, the boundaries between London and empire fluctuating and that being seen as something unpleasant, something we don't want. By the way, the book's unsatisfying ending, the fact it's like, oh, there's no treasure and links to this idea that the boundaries are fluid, the boundaries between the story world and our worlds, the boundaries between the empire and us. Like, if you want to try and remember anything about the context of Sinophore, remember Arthur Conan Doyle loved the empire, massive jingoist. He was writing as a serial for popular audience, young people, money in their pocket, want to do something with it that isn't, you know, 
whatever young people do, I give up. In my area, the young people rob the co-op. So I guess it's better to read Sherlock Holmes than rob the co-op. You've got to remember that Holmes comes within a tradition of detective fiction, including Wilkie Collins' is The Moonstone and um, uh, Edgar Allan Poe. I can't believe I forgot the name Edgar Allan Poe. Uh, Edgar Allan Poe's Murders in the Room Morgue. We've got The Things of Empire, we've got Fear, we've got Insecurity, we have Science, we have Rationality. Holmes is just an automaton. Watson is every feeling, every time, and the idea is it's a locked room mystery. We're almost supposed to pause at that moment and think to ourselves, my, I wonder how it was done. And it's also reflecting this fascination that the public have with crimes that are going on, this media hype of, you know, murder is everywhere, salacious crime gossip so in some ways Holmes is credited with inventing the detective genre but in some ways he's just a reflection I find a lot of the references to India that are put in so casually to be kind of unpleasant reading and it doesn't take much below the surface to see the context in which it's happening I mean it took like two Googles of Andaman Islands and I read a fabulous book called Raj and another one about, about the Indian mutiny and looking below the surface it is really unpleasant and it is quite a strange choice to set as a GCSE text but as I've concluded my book I mean, part of me thinks it's a text that's designed to um, raise discussions in class about the role of empire in everyday life. And then part of me also thinks it's because someone at the DFE fancies Benedict Cumberbatch and was just thinking about old Benny CB when they were planning the books we have to learn. So, as this is the end of season three, um, we're going to do a little mini series. We're not going to do the full start of season four yet, partly because I need to decide what direction I'm going in, and partly because this has been such a slog team. So, the we're going to do a little mini series on of mice and men. Yeah, we're going to live off the fat of the land. We are going to save up for a little farm in the country. We're going to wear red dresses and mules with feathers on. And we are definitely, definitely not going to let anybody touch our hair, no matter how nice they are. Right, I've already started on the Of My Cement series uh, researching it. It is going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun, to be honest. I'm quite looking forward to this one. So I will return shortly to drag you kicking and screaming through an Of My Cement mini-series. Thank you very, very much for sticking with me through season three. And I will speak to you again soon.